0: Do you find yourself surprised by your own anger toward your family? Are you ready to learn more about the reasons behind your anger? Or do you find yourself wanting to listen to this episode because you're thinking of someone else who struggles with anger? Well, then we are so glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. If you enjoyed this podcast and find it encouraging, would you prayerfully consider partnering with us by making a monthly or even a one-time donation? Whether it's a dollar a month or $20 a month, your support helps to sustain this podcast and keep it on the air. So if you feel led to partner with us, please just go to gingerhubbard.com slash support to donate any amount. And thank you, listeners, for your support, which enables us to further our mission to help parents reach the hearts of their children for the glory of God. Long before my husband and I had kids of our own, I knew I wanted to be a homeschooling mom. But when my oldest was ready to start kindergarten, I had just had our third child, who we affectionately referred to as the baby monster. Homeschooling didn't seem possible with a kindergartner, a toddler, and a baby monster. I was so thankful that a friend introduced me to BJU Press. Their all-in-one curriculum resources gave me the confidence to homeschool at a time when it didn't seem possible. Their video lessons that, by the way, are engaging and taught by experienced teachers those videos were a time and a sanity saver for me. Best of all, their K-5 through grade 12 all-in-one curriculum options are rooted in a solid biblical worldview. To learn more about BJU Press, go to BJUPressHomeschool.com and see what they have to offer. You'll find their parent-led resources as well as independent learning materials at BJUPressHomeschool.com and tell them the baby monster sent you.
1: Well, Katie, we're back with another episode about anger, because this is a topic that the Lord really put on your heart while we were preparing for episode 96, entitled When Parents Are Angry. And uh, I remember you telling me that you uh, had a lot more to say on this topic. So you and I decided
0: that we would dedicate
1: an entire episode to what the Lord is teaching you about the heart of anger. And I'm really excited about this.
0: Well, I'm just so grateful, Ginger, that you allow me to take the reins as the Lord Put something on my heart, and you've always made me feel like I'm a partner in your ministry. And so I don't want to take that for granted. So thank you for allowing me to share what God is teaching me. Uh, But when we first talked about doing an episode or two on anger, I was so excited that I really dove into this topic for quite a while. So, Ginger, you might remember I asked you to put off recording the first episode we did on anger until Mm -hmm. I had gathered all this research I felt I could reasonably gather. And I'm Not totally sure why I was so enthusiastic about this particular topic. It could be because our church did a sermon series on the book of Jonah. And that gave me a whole new perspective on the pouting prophet and where his anger led him. And I just love what God asks Jonah twice in that story. He says, do you do well to be angry? Talk about a heart-probing question. Uh, The book of Jonah is a fascinating study. So I will have Heather put a link in the show notes to that sermon series if any of you are interested to hear that. Uh, But I'm also sure I was partly drawn to the topic of anger because of what God is doing in my own heart and revealing areas that are ugly and need to be exposed. I've always said that parenthood is one of, if not the most sanctifying experience, (laughs) because there is so much selflessness that's required. And with that level of just daily sacrifice, our sinful nature is bound to rear its ugly head. Mm, That's
1: right. Well, Katie, before we get too far in, though, I do want to acknowledge that we've had lots of questions come in about Mm -hmm. kids. Who are struggling with anger. And I don't want our listeners to think that we're ignoring that topic. Um, as I just mentioned a couple of months ago, we did an episode on when parents are angry. That was episode 96, if you missed it. And today we're going to talk about what's at the heart of anger. But hold tight, moms and dads, especially all of you who have sent in questions about your children struggling with anger, because we are going to come back next week, Lord willing, and offer biblical wisdom and practical insights to help kids who are struggling with anger. But for today's episode, Katie, tell our listeners what God has laid on your heart as it relates to the heart
0: of anger. Sure. And I think that everything we're going to discuss today, while I'm really focusing on us as the parents, can apply to our children's hearts as well, because Mm -hmm. like us, they are sinners. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there are three things I learned about anger that really stuck out to me personally in this season of motherhood. Number one, righteous anger is possible, but rare. I liken it to the four leaf clover of human emotions so true righteous anchor does exist but you'd have to dig through an entire field of three leaf clovers to find that one instance number two sinful anger is spiritual adultery and i, I don't use that word lightly adultery mm-hmm. and i'll show you that god doesn't use that term lightly either And number three, anger often disguises itself as more socially acceptable sins. So even those of us who are listening in order to forward this on to a friend or family member who has a tendency to display explosive anger, we're not off the hook here.
1: (laughs) That's right. And I'm really looking forward to you unpacking these, Katie. So let's start with righteous anger. I think there are plenty of parents who have found themselves saying things like, I yell at my kids because it's the only way they seem to understand how serious their sin really is. Mm -hmm. Or, well, I mean, you know, I'm just being honest as if we can justify our sinful thoughts and feelings simply because we're being truthful about them. Exactly.
0: And by the way, this is one of the things I find unhelpful about some kinds of talk therapy, because I believe that even many Christians have the mistaken notion that simply expressing our honest feelings out loud to another person is always helpful and while it can be helpful to know what is lurking in our own hearts it's what we choose to do with those thoughts once they're identified do we pluck them out like weeds and take them captive as the bible tells us or do we bring them to our consciousness every time we hash out our feelings so basically spreading them like dandelion seeds if you believe that airing out your discontent and anger is always helpful then i encourage you to do a search on what god's word has to say about our words And how they are related to what's in our hearts. So find some verses that support venting or just, quote, being honest about our sinful feelings. You will not find them. That's right.
1: But just to clarify, you're talking about venting and, quote, unquote, being honest as it pertains to trying to justify sinful anger to others. Right. In other words... uh, saying, I'm just being honest about my anger, doesn't justify or negate the sin. There is no sanctification in confession without repentance. But mm. when we humble ourselves through honest confession and cry out to God in repentance, we receive forgiveness and atonement in Christ who purifies us from all unrighteousness. So we're not talking about uh, being honest with God. God already knows our hearts. And so in in our prayers, we do need to lament and we need to confess and we need to be honest and talk talk to God about these
0: struggles that Mm -hmm. we're having. That's exactly right. And I could not have said that better. So I want to repeat what you just said. There is no sanctification in confession without repentance that's the key is the repentance and again this is why i'm so adamant about the need for good biblical counseling in the church i have been to plenty of christian counselors who though they were well-intended i'm sure they did little more than lend an ear to my honest but sinful spewing and very few of them opened god's word and revealed the sin lurking in my heart that were behind the words that I said so very honestly. (laughs) Um, So thank you for clarifying that. Yes, we are called to be truthful and honest, but not all that is honest is good. And not all truth is something we should express out loud, Uh, no matter how sincere we are. If sinful anger is the motivation for the truthful words that come out of our mouths, then we are never at liberty to unload them on others. Now, nearly all the resources I found were in agreement on this point. Anger can be, but rarely is justified and righteous. Jesus himself never expressed anger about a personal offense or because his desires were violated. He wasn't angry when he was falsely accused, stripped naked, spit on, mocked, beaten, and nailed to a criminal's cross. And remember, It was Jesus himself who likened sinful anger to murder in his Sermon on the Mount. So in his book, A Small Book About a Big Problem, I love that title,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um, author Ed Welch says that anger and murder are linked together at the heart level because they share the same lineage of selfish desire. He says, quote, we want something, peace, money, respect, and we aren't getting it the only difference is in our choice of weapons. Some use guns and others use words. And then he quotes Proverbs twelve eighteen, which says, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So there are many things we want, but don't always have money, power, respect. And I think we as parents can add to that list peace and quiet, You know, we want obedience, alone time. I maybe even want the rest of my dessert for once. Uh, but again, our anger can be, but rarely is the kind of righteous anger we see demonstrated by Jesus. And even those who can say they are truly justified in their anger are often wrong in their response to it.
1: Mm, that's so good, Katie. And a prime example of that is how we are to be rightly angry about the sin of abortion, the sin mm-hmm. of murdering babies. That's a righteous anger. Mm-hmm. But if we stand outside an abortion clinic with sarcastic signs and yell hateful names at those who have been deceived and fallen prey to the lies of the enemy, we're responding to righteous anger in sinful ways in right. ways that do not
0: honor God or draw people to the life-giving truths of God's word. And I think that example carries into almost every political disagreement I've seen lately, even among Christians. So are sarcasm and snark, which are really just anger in disguise, are those ever the ways of communicating that will honor the Lord and bring others to repentance? I think that's a really fair question to ask ourselves. Do we care more about being right or about doing what is right? Mm, Those are great questions to ask ourselves. Also,
1: as Christians, we're called to follow the example of Jesus, who never communicated using sarcasm or snark. There's a reason for that. Mm -hmm. Another example of a sinful response to righteous anger as it pertains to parenting might be the parent who is angry when one child is physically violent or with a sibling, abusive to a sibling. Our anger is justified at that wrong, but we often respond in kind, as -hmm. though our level of anger should match theirs in order to be effective. But again, a sinful response to righteous anger does not point our children to the fact that they are sinners in need of forgiveness and in need of help from Jesus.
0: Perfect example. And man, this is a huge temptation as a parent. I think it's just in our sinful nature to try and make our volume our words, or even our facial expressions match the level of egregiousness of their sin. I know there are some people who fly off the handle at the least little thing, but I've actually thought to myself that my angry tirade at my children was justified because the level of their sin warranted that.
1: Mm, Yeah, that's such an easy thing to fall into because Mm -hmm. that just goes back to our sin nature and the way that we are quick to respond to that. That's why we always need to be asking God to uh, check our hearts and Mm -hmm. to convict us with the Holy Spirit um, so that we're not sinning against Him and sinning against our family in the way that we respond to righteous anger. So Katie, then what is the appropriate way to express righteous anger?
0: Well, David Powlison in his book, called Good and Angry. That's a great book too. Mm -hmm. He said that anger is not a problem to solve. It's a human capacity, like happiness or sorrow. I found that really interesting because it's something we cannot avoid or pretend like we don't experience. I'm not an angry person. I don't experience it. Well, yeah, everyone experiences anger. We all do. And he makes the case that anger can be constructive when it does this. Quote, it motivates fair-minded constructive, and energetic problem-solving. And he further says that anger is meant to be laced with mercy and loving intent. Hmm. That is a pretty high bar. (laughs) So much (laughs) for justifying my tirade against my children. (laughs) Uh, When it's laced with mercy and loving intent, I love those words. Mm -hmm. So is my anger laced with mercy and loving intent? God's anger is, but Ginger, I can't say that mine is even a quarter of the time. Mm So. Friends, if you're tempted to say your anger is justified or righteous, first, ask yourself a few questions. Number one, am I angry by a personal offense? If not, and my anger is righteous, am I displaying it in a sinful way?
1: Mm, Yeah, I love those two questions, Katie, because they help us to evaluate our hearts, which in turn keeps us from sinning against God and others, again, with the way that we respond to anger. We also know that righteous anger becomes sinful when it outwardly attacks another and when it dwells within the heart. So if either of those reactions are the case, that's a telltale sign that we need to turn to the Lord for forgiveness and help. So, Katie, you said the first problem with sinful anger um, is that righteous anger is possible but rare. Mm -hmm. You said that the second heart problem is spiritual adultery. When we really take a biblical look at what's at the heart of anger, I think it's fairly easy for most of us to determine that sinful anger is often, if not always, rooted in pride, which is self idolatry. So I found it interesting uh, that you use that term spiritual adultery, which if I'm being honest, I've never even considered that, especially in regards to anger. So I'm eager to hear what you have to say about this And how we can relate self-idolatry with spiritual adultery as being sins of the heart that go hand
0: in hand well we know that anger isn't always sinful and we know that because jesus himself felt and expressed his anger without ever sinning but we can think of our own anger as a diagnostic tool my pastor says that anger exposes what we love the most That's really humbling to think Mm -hmm. about. So when Jesus angrily fashioned a whip and then flipped over tables in the temple, he was consumed with zeal for God and keeping those ordinances holy. I can pretty much promise you that I've never had an outburst of anger that I believe is solely attributed to my zeal for God. So to allow ourselves to go on a tirade with a whip and flipping tables, You know, could we say that 100% it's our zeal for God that's caused that sort of reaction? So anger can be a diagnostic tool, but it can also be a symptom, like a rash, for example. My oldest son, it's the weirdest thing, he has just started to break out in these horrible rashes every time he gets a virus. At first, though, we treated the rash, thinking that was the problem. But in reality, it was a symptom of something much worse, something systemic. We could load him up with Benadryl, But that would only treat the rash and not the virus inside his body. And in that same way, anger can be like the rash that everyone sees, but maybe it's just the weapon we use when what's actually lurking in our hearts is something much deeper, like pride or self-idolatry. So back to Ed Welch, who is one of my favorite authors, by the way. Mm -hmm. He says that our anger is evidence that we're being unfaithful to God. And like you, Ginger, I had honestly never thought of anger as spiritual adultery before I read that in Ed's book. But listen to what James 4, 1 through 4 says. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. That is terrifying. Mm -hmm. And then verse six says this, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Mm. That is so convicting, Katie.
1: I tend Mm -hmm. to focus more on how my anger affects others. It's often the reaction of others that causes me to recognize that I've sinned against them. And Mm -hmm. when I'm convicted, my first inclination is always to ask that person to forgive me, whether it's my kids or anyone else. But all too often, I'm realizing that's the extent of my repentance, making it right and being reconciled with that person that I've offended or hurt. But... A sin against others is first and foremost a sin against God. Mm. The wisdom you've gained from this research and what you've read from Ed Welch is so profound. Sinful anger is spiritual adultery. It's evidence of unfaithfulness to God. Mm. So it's important that we confess our anger and seek forgiveness from God. And then once our relationship is restored with him through the atoning blood of Jesus, Then we're able to draw strength and help from him to seek forgiveness from others and restore relationships with them. All that to say, as parents, when we sin against our children in anger, they need to witness our repentance before God and us
0: seeking his forgiveness just as earnestly as we're seeking theirs. Absolutely. And Ginger, I think we should do that at the moment of confession. Go to our children, seek their forgiveness, and then go to God in prayer with our children beside us to ask the Lord to forgive us as well. I can't think of anything more impactful to our children after we have sinned against them in our anger. And I also can't think of anything more humbling or difficult to do in our sinful pride. Mm, Me either, Katie. But it's like the verse you just mentioned earlier, God
1: gives grace to the humble. absolutely. Our children witness the outpouring of that grace when their parents humble themselves before the Lord. Mm -hmm. Katie, the third thing you mentioned was how anger often disguises itself as a more socially acceptable
0: sin. Tell us a little bit about that. Okay, so this is where I found myself camped out in my studies for quite a while because the Holy Spirit really exposed so much of what's going on in my own heart. Sinful anger isn't always overt and... We, yes, even Christians can easily ignore it in our own hearts because of our own self-righteousness. So I'm going to give our listeners some examples of more covert anger. And again, this is all from Ed Welch's book, which I'll link to in the show notes. Does your anger hide behind more innocent sounding words like this? I'm just being honest. Or I'm just calling a spade a spade. Or let's set the record straight. I've probably said all of those things. I'm sitting here thinking I've said every one of those. (laughs) I'm just being honest with you guys. Um, Covert anger can also look like sarcasm, grumbling, complaining, gossip. I hadn't thought of that one. Annoyance, frustration, irritability, entitlement, and superiority. And there are many more we could add, but I think that's a pretty good start. Mm -hmm. Uh, But let's hone in on sarcasm. Sarcasm says... Essentially, you are stupid and I am not. Mm. Just kidding. (laughs) That's sarcasm. And then you say that as you enjoy your self-righteous vantage point. Man, I think Ed Welch does a great job of describing sarcasm. And it's probably one of the more popular forms of anger that we see on social media, especially among Christians lately. We have a tendency to express our anger this way and then call it satire. And I believe we justify it because it's funny, but it isn't funny to God. And again, God opposes the proud.
1: That's right. But it has become socially acceptable. Yeah. We see that on social media. Mm-hmm. You know, sarcasm has always been a huge struggle for me, but it's so true that it's often just an expression, if probably always, an expression of self righteous pride that does not glorify God. Mm-hmm. Katie, you're really stepping on my toes here, (laughs) but in a good (laughs) way. (laughs) I need to ask myself a few heart-probing questions. We're always saying, ask those kids those heart-probing questions. Well, I need to ask myself a few heart-probing questions, and then I need to run the
0: results by God before I let those snide remarks escape from my mouth. And I do want to say one thing about sarcasm. You know, God uses sarcasm in the Bible and satire. I mean, there are books of the Bible that really are satiric in their writing, but it's always to point people back to God and to Christ, and to show the contradiction in our own hearts. I can honestly say I don't have those desires in my heart when. I'm using sarcasm. It's right. always to show my own superiority. And that's the right. exact opposite of how we ought to communicate as Christians.
1: Well, it's just like when Jesus overthrew the tables. You know, I right. can't see myself overthrowing. If I'm th- overthrowing <laughs> a table,
0: I'm mad. <laughs> that's right. and it's not righteous.
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> no, I can't see me fashioning a whip in a very righteous, you know, uh, in a out of zeal for God. That's right. Just, Only
1: yeah. Jesus can do that, which is goes back to righteous anger. Is rare. Right. I mean, I, I can honestly say I have had righteous anger for sure. things that displease God, like abortion. Right. But again, when we respond in sinful ways, that's just not glorifying to God and it's certainly not going to point people to Him.
0: Well, and it doesn't do what anger should do, which is be productive. Like, right. is our anger productive in mm, the way that we right. express it? Mm-hmm. Um, Another common form of anger that I didn't really consider to be anger is grumbling and complaining, Mm. but both grumbling and complaining speak the common refrain of all anger, which is this, I want something and I'm not getting it. Mm. Exactly. Yeah, I
1: wonder how many children who are allowed to grumble and complain without correction will easily slip into aggression and even violence. Mm -hmm. We've gotten so many emails from parents who are at a loss for how to help their children overcome anger. They're telling me about how their kids yell and hit and throw tantrums and, and just blow up over every little thing, even minor things. Some of that anger might have developed from habits of grumbling and complaining. Ungrateful attitudes. Katie, you mentioned this earlier. You talked about weeds. Well, ungrateful Mm -hmm. attitudes are like weeds. If they go unchecked and unplucked, they take root and grow and sprout anger. It's Mm -hmm. a cycle. Ungratefulness leads to entitlement, which leads to grumbling and complaining when selfish desires aren't met, which leads to anger. Our responsibility as parents is to help our children identify the weeds, the sins of the heart, and pluck them before they take root and grow into something stronger and more ensnaring like anger. But anger in children is what we're going to tackle next week. Let's stick to the topic at hand here. Katie, (laughs) what do you want to talk about next as far as the heart of anger?
0: Well, after covert anger, we have cold anger. And this one was very convicting as well. And here's what it looks like. Giving the silent treatment, withdrawal, indifference, giving a cold shoulder, being controlling. That one surprised me. Um, Keeping score and criticizing. So Mm. again, Ginger, I'd never thought about being controlling as possibly being related to anger. So that gives me a lot to ponder. Yeah, me too. too. (laughs) Um, Also, withdrawal was one I thought about quite a bit. Ed Welch says that withdrawal and silence are can be truly hateful. So giving the silent treatment is like saying, I won't show my favor toward you, you wretched soul, until you beg forgiveness and make amends. Mm. Now, this is very different from being silent when we want to speak in anger. There's a difference in that and truly ignoring someone and, right. and giving the cold shoulder. Um, about indifference, he says this, he said it might be the worst kind of anger. You simply do not care about the person anymore. You've judged him and sent him off into exile where he can bother you no more. Mm. Wow.
1: Talk about evaluating what's really at the heart of those behaviors. <laughs> that pretty much cuts to the chase. Yeah. I wonder if many people have become indifferent to someone and believe that they no longer struggle with anger towards them. You know, mm-hmm. it's really something to ponder and pray about for sure. Absolutely. So you've mentioned covert anger like sarcasm, gossip, and irritability, and you've mentioned cold anger like giving the silent treatment, withdrawal, and being controlling.
0: Check, check, check. Yep, I need to right. go repent. <laughs> so what's next, Katie? <laughs> Hit well, me. All, all the hits. Um, <laughs> finally, we have what Ed Welch describes as hot anger. And These are probably the things we think of most when we hear the word anger. Jealousy, wrath, murder, quarrels, explosions, rage, envy, hate, violence, abuse, and other things like that. So all of these examples are meant to show that sinful anger comes in degrees. Mm -hmm. We are not off the hook if our anger is of the grumbling variety rather than the murderous variety. We are no less an adulterer before the Lord. Am I better off spiritually if I gossip about my neighbor rather than slapping her in the face? Is she better off if I gossip rather than slap her in the face? All of these things, all of them are a partnership with the devil. So listen to Ephesians 4, verses 26 and 27. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. In other words, when you allow your anger to go unchecked and unresolved, you are inviting Satan into your home and into your relationships. Is that what we want? For Satan to be a guest at our dinner table, at our family gatherings, at our major life events, at our worship services, or are we willing to do whatever it takes to eradicate anger from our lives in order to uninvite Satan? Mm.
1: You know, If there's a violent intruder repeatedly entering your home and terrorizing your family, do you throw up your hands and just resolve to set him a place at the dinner table every night? Mm. Of course not. You fortify your home and fight to protect your family. This issue of anger isn't something be- to be taken lightly because the Bible doesn't take it lightly. So Katie, how do you suggest, or better yet, how does the Bible command that we fight that invader, Satan, who robs us and our
0: family of peace? Well, I think one simple way to do that is found in what I just read. Ephesians 4.26 says, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. That is super easy, right? <laughs> <laughs> not so our, much. Yeah, our pride might disagree. Ask me mm-hmm. how I know that. Uh, but this isn't a suggestion or a life hack that you can take or leave. This is a command for the people of God. Mm-hmm. And we ignore that command at our own peril and to the detriment of our relationships. So moms and dads, when we are sinfully angry with our kids, We all mess up We all blow it I know um, some of you have sent us emails Where you're really hard on yourselves You're beating yourselves up about this Because it is a continual habitual problem Well, when we are sinfully angry with our kids Or anyone else The Bible tells us not to let even one evening pass Without confessing our sin to the Lord And to others And likewise, we shouldn't let even one evening pass Without forgiving the sins of others when they ask So my suggestion for how to do that is just to make it a habit to pray every day with your family. Ask God to heal what is broken within you and let them hear you do that. Prayer is the great equalizer because it puts all of us in a position of humility before the one who is truly worthy of our worship. Now is the part of our show where we give a quick tip for parents. Today's quick tip is courtesy of Jamie in Michigan and she writes this, My tip has to do with laundry. I often find myself stain treating old stains that I had tried multiple times because I couldn't remember if I had it in the past. Now, if an item of clothing is stained or even has a hole in it, I put a small black Sharpie dot on the tag or collar. This is my symbol to know that those are now play clothes and don't need to be stain treated any longer. It is also helpful for my kids to know which clothes are play clothes. That is such a great idea, Jamie. Thank you for sending it to us. If you have a quick tip for our show, we would love to hear from you. It can be any random tip about cooking, housekeeping, something you do with your kids, ideas for fun date nights with your spouse, anything at all. We would love to share your ideas on the podcast. Just go to gingerhubbard.com slash quick tips to submit those.
1: Well, Katie, as we're coming to the end of our time, I just want to thank you so much for all the time and research you put into this episode to help us get to the heart of of anger. And just a quick word to our moms and dads out there who uh, maybe after listening to this episode are realizing, perhaps for the first time, that anger is a real struggle for you and you're wanting encouragement for what to do about it. Please go back and listen to episode number 96, When Parents Are Angry. God's Word gives specific instructions for how to keep anger from taking root in our hearts. In that episode, we offered practical advice for how to quickly recognize anger and deal with it before it gives birth to sin. Moms and dads, we want to put off sinful anger and put on the righteousness of Christ so that we can parent in ways that point our children to the hope, healing, and help of Jesus. Katie, thanks again. How about you leave us with a final word of
0: encouragement? Sure. When we are sinfully angry, we have a tendency to stand in judgment. We position ourselves as the prosecutor, the judge, the jury, and even the executioner, or at least the person who delivers justice. But as Ed Welch says, relationships do not do well in a courtroom. And he's so right. So let's leave the courtroom and enter God's presence instead. Let's confess when we blow it, because we all do, and continue to meditate on that beautiful promise from James 4.6. God gives grace to the humble. Mm, I love that. Well, thank you for joining us today, listeners. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And while you're there, could you leave us a rating or a review? This is a great help to us to get the word out about our podcast so that many other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. Do you have a parenting question? Well, we invite you to submit it at gingerhubbard.com slash ask ginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode. Also on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering Ginger's best selling parenting book, Don't Make Me Count to Three, a mom's look at heart oriented discipline, as well as the six week study guide at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. And remember, listeners, when you purchase through gingerhubbard.com rather than other online retailers, you're really helping to support our ministry and this podcast. If you'd like daily encouragement and parenting advice from Ginger, be sure to follow her on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. And you can connect with me on Instagram at corner. That's K-A-T-Y in a corner. If your church might be interested in hosting Ginger and Me for a women's event or bringing Ginger in for a parenting conference, please fill out the contact form at gingerhubbard.com and we'll get back to you with more information. Thank you so much for joining us today, listeners. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God. Sin for... Shinfarrell anger. Shinfarrell. I, I turn into like an old Southern man when I record sometimes. With a lisp. He's like the guy who sells boiled peanuts on the side of the road. Shinfarrell anger. Buy a <laughs>